the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Worldview Media Podcast, where Gordon and Joyce Runyon view popular media through the lens of the biblical five-point covenant model to help believers appreciate and apply principles of exciting narrative and engaging storytelling. The Worldview Media Podcast, coming to you live from our downtown studios <laughs> in Tucumcari, New Mexico. My name is Gordon Runyon. With me is my co-host, Joyce Runyon. Hello. And on the phone, on line one, we have Reagan Runyon. Hello. Hello. Now, we didn't tell Reagan we were going to do this. <laughs> Uh-oh. This is a little bit of a surprise. Oh, no. <laughs> we have on the line with us today, on line two, we have friend of the Worldview Media Podcast, a great fan of the show. Who is it? And star of Maze Runner the Death Cure, <laughs> Dylan O'Brien. And so let's not keep him on the line very long. Dylan, this is Gordon. We're really happy to have you on the line with us today. And Reagan, it's Dylan. I'm here with my wife, Joyce, and your biggest fan, Reagan. And we thought we'd just get right to it and ask you a question about what's it like working on set with actual zombies who would like to kill you? And, and, uh, wait, Dylan? Mr. O'Brien? Oh, no, what happened? Oh, no. I think... <laughs> oh, not again. Did it happen again? Uh, oh, man. Sorry, This Reagan. is really embarrassing. This is not professional radio. <laughs> you are not <laughs> professional radio. <laughs> this is really below my standards. And... Uh, Sorry, Reagan. But I'm sure I'm sure Dylan will call back because he needs the publicity that we can give him from appearing on our show. And well, that's too bad. Sorry, Reagan. We we thought we had had really pulled one off for you. You know that was amazing, but um, it's the thought that counts, right? There you go. So the thought that counts. We're talking about. The third and hopefully final <laughs> hopefully. episode of the Maze Runner series of movies. This one is called The Death Cure. Uh, would somebody like to summarize what's going on in The Death Cure? Reagan, you're the big fan. Oh, Give I, us a plot summary. I feel like it's so much. I'm so bad at explaining the plot. Oh. Short way. Like, in a condensed version, I'm just not my forte. Did you read this book, too, or...? No, I only read the first one. Oh, okay. Well, it occurred to me shortly into watching this movie, it occurred to me, this is not a standalone film. There's no way that you could walk in off the street no. and just enjoy this movie. Well, you might. It would be confusing... Yeah. In fact, I know that I have seen the other two episodes, and 
I was lost through most of this movie. <laughs> that may be due to advancing age and Parkinson's and stuff, but but I realized there were still pieces of the plot that were were hard for me to remember. What is this and what is that? Well, you remembered Wicked, right? Uh, yeah. What's it stand for? Did we ever learn what Wicked stood for? Um. Did we? I don't remember. Well, what is Wicked? It's a bad organization. Is it the is it the government or is it a? Yeah, I think I I I don't know because <laughs> uh, I didn't read all the books. I was really confused after the first one, so I figured, well, I'll stop there. <laughs> I figure they're... Movies, but yeah, no, um, there are definitely parts of the movies and parts of the plot that kind of have holes in it for me, and I don't know if that's just because I didn't read it, but uh, me and Shaylee, Shaylee read all three, and she kind of... Had troubles? Some questions, too. Oh, really? Well, that's good. That's good, yeah. then. Is that good? Well, I mean, <laughs> it's not just us. <laughs> uh, well, uh... So in this movie, we're dealing with a dystopian future where the world has pretty much been wiped out by a virus. And the thing is that there's this organization, which I suspect before the apocalypse was some kind of like a... Like a CDC medical, or something? Yeah, a CDC or a medical research facility. And anyway, they're, at some point, their theory for how to combat the virus is to kind of genetically engineer and train a small group of young people who will be uh, resistant to the disease and they'll be smart enough to maybe hopefully figure out I thought a that cure. the resistance so yeah, was a natural. Okay, so they found the immune ones, but then they kind of kidnapped them and started using them for their own purposes. Yeah. And they're trying to train them and make them great problem solvers and all that. And uh, so Dylan O'Brien plays one of these uh, super kid. young people, and he's the best of the group, and his name is Thomas. And basically, Thomas's superpower, he doesn't really have superpowers, but <laughs> his thing is that he's really good at kind of quickly coming up with successful plans that will overcome obstacles, and that's kind of what he's been trained to do. And so it turns out that there, are, when this plague thing hits, it turns people into fast zombies. Not the slow-moving zombies, but the fast-running zombies. And uh, Right? Really, well, they're not really supposed to be zombies. They're just supposed to like, be kind of insane. Apparently. Uh, and just like attack people. Well, they're basically... And, I don't know. They come off as zombies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They look kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. They have a look. And so... They then apparently, like, have their mind intact. They're just... Oh, I don't... I don't, I don't know about that. Well, I think maybe, they're like, people. there's a remnant of whoever is in there. And I say that because of for what happens. Time. Yeah. Maybe for a little while. Yeah. Okay, so where did the monsters come from then? That's a disease. 
Yeah. What monsters? Uh, like the there's like the giant spider looking thing. Oh, Those are from the maze. That's like a that's doing. They created them. They created them. You said. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, what for? And that though? was when they were in the maze. That they were there to keep yeah. them in the maze, right? They were just guardians of the maze where they were training the kids, or what? Well, they were supposed to be, like, it was weird. They were supposed to be, like, scaring the kids because that would make boost. their immunity boost, or I don't know, I don't know, it was weird, but the purpose was to, like, get them scared and, like, Like, it, to increase their ind- adrenaline, and then that... Yeah. And that kind of is explained later in the movie when yeah. they get um, yeah. Minos. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, well... Then in this movie, uh, Thomas is running free with a couple of his friends, and they're trying to rescue another one that is captive by Wicked, and they're doing horrible, torturous experiments on him. And and the big plot twist is it turns out at the end that Dylan O'Brien's blood, Thomas Thomas. I don't think Dylan's going to call you back. (laughs) Call me back, man. It's a really big plot twist. Thomas's blood is the cure, and they can save the whole world with his blood. But he has reason to really hate and distrust this organization. and Well, and the girl that's saying, you're the answer, you're the key. You're the cure. Yeah, the one he finds out this information from has already betrayed him in the past. At least once, maybe twice. (laughs) And so that's the big deal. What will he do with this information? And I won't spoil anything about that, but he decides to save the world. (laughs) Does he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, don't spoil it for the people. All right, I won't. I won't spoil it. And so, yeah, that's it. It's a very action-packed movie. There's lots of running and chasing and fighting and and zombies at certain points running around trying to kill people. And uh, so it's quite a it's quite an action thing for yeah. sure. Better than what? The other two. Oh, really? You like this one the best? Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. You have to watch the other two. Yeah. I really felt like maybe the the first Maze Runner was pretty good, but it left a whole bunch of stuff up in the air and unanswered and... Uh, so that's what I didn't like about that. None of the movies are kind of standalone things. I feel like you can walk into any Star Wars movie and and kind of pick it up and you know for what it is, but you can't do that here. Or you could go to Well, I think part of that with Star Wars though is that even though you don't know it, you've heard a lot about it. Yeah. Well, maybe. And so, you know, good Well, and bad. it's just not that complex. Or, this is a complex thing for a while. All right, so Reagan, what's your letter grade? Tell me what you liked about this movie. What you didn't, what you didn't like? Um, I like uh, like the scale of it. I guess like how it seemed, and for the first time, I really feel like you guys can see how 
You didn't cry in this movie, did you? Oh, I cried so hard. <laughs> really? <laughs> Three times. <laughs> I bet I know where they were, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, what I didn't like about the film... What did I not really like? Uh, it was a little bit... I don't know, I feel like my biggest problem was kind of the, the plot of the original story. And I do know that um, a lot of things were changed to for the film adaption. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I'm not extremely mad about that because I chose not to read the last two books. <laughs> so you don't know any better. <laughs> I don't really know any better, but um, I feel like I just don't really think that the... I think that the plot had some problems and like the stories, the books had some problems. Yeah. Um, and kind of it seemed like the storyline was sort of not thought through because a lot of it didn't make sense when you, like, if they're trying to get these kids' anxiety levels up, why did they go through the trouble of building this huge maze when it would have been so much easier just to torture them from the start? Because that's basically what, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like the story was kind of like not all the way thought through, mm. the author's part. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought the acting was really good in this one. And also, um, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's me. All right. Well, Mom, your turn. Likes, dislikes? Well, as as usual, uh, the, the kids find themselves in some kind of uh, spectacular situations, and they make it. <laughs> In, in a lot of different places, you know, it's like, oh, there's no way anybody's going to come out of this. But then, da, 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 you know, <laughs> I find a way. So some of it's really a little unrealistic. Yeah. Talk about that just a little bit. I I was going to mention that, too, that there do seem to be a ton of places in this movie where there's just obviously no way out for the good guys. But then... One of their friends or something like that shows up in the very nick of time. Yeah. Or you jump into this water that's 30 yeah. feet. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's just right. a swimming pool. It's a little wading pool they're jumping in. Right. And there's no reason for that water to be that deep if it's just like a water feature in front yeah. of the building. And yeah. Some of that stuff was uh, kind of hard to swallow at times. And I felt like it made the movie really predictable because once you saw that that's what they were doing. Then any time they got into trouble, you started thinking about, okay, who's the one that's going to show up now and save the day? <laughs> and by the end, I was totally correct about that and was guessing the I was guessing the major scenes and and all that. Especially the one of the final scenes when when Thomas and the girl Teresa are standing up on top of the building and everything's on fire and you know it's about to come down 
it, yeah. it looked very much like the final scene from Aliens, uh, yeah. the second Alien movie. Yeah. And <laughs> and you knew it was going to end just like that, you know. <laughs> and the the shot where the where the aircraft comes in to save them is it right out of Aliens. <laughs> the scene looked just the setting looked just like it, and the shot where the where the spaceship comes up or whatever and and comes to save them it was it was totally out of aliens and you just knew how that whole scene was going to play out and there was mm. nothing surprising about it and yeah yeah i guess it was a little safe <laughs> <laughs> but you never know right might have not worked out did you have another thing to talk about that you didn't like or? Uh, I kind of agree with what Reagan was saying about, you know, if it was trying to produce this uh, thing manufactured by the kids by being in a stressful situation, there were other ways to do that. So I don't know if it was just a matter of separating. And we've talked about this in other shows, too, that when you um, dehumanize someone, then it makes it easier to do whatever you want to do to them. So I don't know if that was part of the you know, we'll separate them from their family and then nobody cares about them or knows where they are. And so then, you know, yeah. that makes it worse for them. Or So I agree with Reagan that that was kind of You're questionable. About, especially that first movie yeah. was way over-elaborate what the bad guys were doing. Yeah. yeah because in this one, you know, they just got the guy, they're making him hallucinate pretty much that he's in horrific situations to produce... <laughs> yeah. And you it's know, whatever. Just fine. He's yeah. just strapped to a table. And so they just bring in kid after kid and <laughs> right. say, okay, it's time to live your nightmares. <laughs> so I don't know if it was in the process of finding the kids that have this genetic difference in them. I don't know. But that was kind of extreme. Yeah. I, I felt like the maze, especially, was way too elaborate. The idea of having these kids having to run through this maze that's filled with monsters that you know I, I can see how that would make for a good cinema but justifying it in the plot I'm not sure that ever really happened you know yeah yeah okay uh, the other storytelling thing I had an issue with was right at the first there's a scene where the good kids are going to try to rescue oh, yes I had a huge problem with that <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, what was your problem with it? Uh, do you want to explain the scene, and then I'll take over? Okay, yeah. So, De or Thomas and his crew are their guys trapped on one of the cars of the train, and so they're going to try to do a rescue. And, uh, well, it's very elaborate. Yeah. Everything they do, their plan is extremely elaborate. And they get it done, but they miss it in terms of they get the wrong car and stuff like that. So what did you not like about that scene? Okay. Here's what I didn't like about that scene. <laughs> uh, there's obviously more than one cart full of kids. Yeah. Who are all in the same position. Who have all been, like, taken from their families. You know, they're all the same. Pretty much. You know what I'm saying? They're all in the same situation. And they're, they only they don't even bother to like free the other ones they just take that one yeah well they're looking for one person I know but like they 
could have at least opened the other box and let the other ones go. <laughs> well, but where they're at, they're just going to get rounded up again. <laughs> you know, I can... Put them in the box. Well, I see what you're saying, but... I think there was definitely, like, an issue. Oh. Just leaving everybody else fine. I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I think that's probably wrong. <laughs> but, you know, he wasn't there to save everybody else. He was there to save his friend. And he missed, he got the wrong one. Yeah. Is basically what it was. Well, now, you, they didn't take him back, but... If, he, if they had tried to open all of them, he would have found his friend. <laughs> well, you got a point. My issue with that scene was that as elaborate as the plan was and how it didn't even go exactly the way they wanted it to. Still, by the time they had the car they were looking for disconnected from the train, and it came to a stop by inertia, it was exactly opposite the place where all of his friends were out in the field hiding. You know, <laughs> to pop they'd, they'd been riding on this train that's going, what, probably about 50 miles an hour. Yeah. And they'd been on this thing for a long time, minutes and minutes. And... <laughs> right, and when it stops, it's right there. All their friends are right there within like 20 yards of the train. And uh, I thought that was kind of weird. And that the plot was so, their their plan was so elaborate. And for it to come off like it did, everything finally worked. I just thought, oh man, that's a little far-fetched. It's a little, a little much to ask me to accept. But we went on from there. He got done. <laughs> uh, All right. But the plans become more elaborate as you go. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's right. All right. So we should take our midpoint break if nobody has any more general things to say, and then we'll come back. Anybody get anything? Nope. All right. Well, we'll take our break and come back. Are you interested in Christian education? Would you like to learn how to be a Christian teacher or how to run your very own Christian school with success? The GCS Apprenticeship Program can help. Learn more on our website at gcsapprenticeship.com. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom. All right, we're back on Worldview Media Podcast. We're talking about the Maze Runner, the Death Cure. And we want to talk more in terms of 
themes and worldview and things that are subtly being preached to us here. I felt like the one of the major things was right toward the end when Thomas becomes convinced that his blood can save the world, but it's going to demand him kind of surrendering himself to this organization that's completely evil and he he's hated them from the beginning. He's going to have to put all that aside and go and surrender himself for the sake of, well, doing what he can to save the world. It basically winds up that they've been trying to do this the whole time and they've been using evil means to try to get it done. But when when Thomas realizes that he's the one that can make it work, he basically is faced with a decision that if he's going to save everybody, he's going to have to give this wicked organization exactly what they've been looking for the whole time. And so there's that ethical dilemma. Mm-hmm. And which one does he choose? He chooses to save the world. And, so it seems. Yeah. And so I've, I felt like that's a story that doesn't happen if Christ doesn't go to the cross and try to save or not try. If Christ doesn't go to the cross and save all of his people by shedding his blood on their behalf, then I don't think this story happens or that part of it. You know, I I don't see it happening. Mm-hmm. And so it's another instance, and we've been documenting this from the beginning, where because of Christ and descending from his sacrifice, now we have this idea that surrendering yourself for the sake of saving others is a heroic thing to do. And we see it time and again. And here it is. And really kind of on the nose that Thomas's blood can save the world. And and so I felt like that was pretty interesting. Hello? (laughs) Well, I think there's something interesting with uh, Teresa when he finally talks to her again. He's like, you know why did you do all this stuff? And her reasoning is, you know, we have to look at everybody else and we have to be responsible for, for helping them. And so I did this, I betrayed everybody and came back here because I think that's a responsible choice. I'm trying to help everyone. I'm not just about trying to get away and hide myself. You know, we live in a community and part of that community is that we've got to help each other but in that helping each other she has no problem with uh sending somebody in who has the the gene to terrorize them and traumatize them (laughs) in order to help somebody else and that just that's kind of skewed you know that's wrong you should they should be given the opportunity to either join with this and get on board and help and and the big kicker is that all this stuff really happened in the second movie when the girl was um, bitten by the zombie, by the, by the guy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the, the doctor that left the organization was there with a bunch of kids. And she said, I'm working on something. We can see you. Let's use your blood and see how this works. Right. And had Teresa stayed, she would have seen that Brenda got better instead of getting worse. And they could have done something about all that. But instead, that doctor's killed. Everybody's on the run. She goes back to an organization that doesn't know what they're doing, how to get the job done. 
and she justifies it all to save the world. I'm doing this, and it's right for me to do that. And yeah, it's not. I feel like that was the major moral question that was underlying the whole movie. Because Wicked could say that their goal was good. They were trying to save the world. Yeah. And 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 they were apparently on the right track. They could, you know, they they might actually get it done if they found the right donor or whatever. And so that becomes a an ethical question. Uh, can you do something just because you can, or just because you have decided that the end result might be good. Beneficial for more. <laughs> Are you then allowed to do all sorts of wickedness in pursuit of this of this thing that we all know is wrong? Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a pretty tricky place to do because if, if, you know, like, if I was in that situation of, well, there are people who have immunity and no, and we think they could help, like, that's some place that I would say, personally, I think I would say, like, okay, well, let's see what we can do, but you have to have a set of standards and, like, a moral code and, and like, laws yeah. from God. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, even in their quest to save the world, they were about saving themselves. You know, because yeah. they were in the last city, they built the walls up, nobody was coming in, nobody was doing anything. So even though their big thing was... We're here for everybody else. They were there for themselves because as long as they were behind the wall, they were supposed to be safe. Mm-hmm. And then the and twist in the, the story. were determined that this, this sickness, this disease is in the walls, everybody's going to be infected. They said, okay, well, let's just, let's just do something here for us. Let's just make sure that this place stays contaminated and we'll stay here and we'll be okay. Yeah. Well, and then that the big doctor finally says, um, uh, Paige, I guess her name was, that the disease has gone airborne, so there's no place safe anymore. Mm-hmm. And so even when you're, you know, and you can't, I can't help but see that as like a judgment <laughs> <laughs> on on all the people that were saying, no, we're fine, so we'll stay here and you stay out there and whatever happens to you is okay. For this disease, suddenly you don't have to be contaminated by somebody biting you or somebody scratching you or somebody doing something to you simply by breathing you were going to be infected and it didn't matter anymore you couldn't set yourself apart yeah i think the ethical dilemma though is and the bible speaks pretty plainly to it that shall we do evil in order that good may come and the answer is heaven forbid you know you yeah. can't do that and so what are you supposed to do if you're faced with if you're faced with a choice where you think that possibly doing this little bit of evil might then result in a greater good uh are you allowed to do that no you're not allowed to do that what would the answer be then the answer has got to be in a situation like that, you know what? I'm going to obey what I know is right from God, mm-hmm. trusting that God is sovereign in this situation. And if he, it's going to work out the way he wants it to work out. And that's more important than me 
trying to take charge and do it trying the way that I think is right. Yeah. And we don't yeah. get to we don't get to say in any situation. We don't get to determine for ourselves what's good and what's evil. That's already been that's already done, and it's our job to just <laughs> follow those guidelines. Right. Sub, <laughs> submit our submit our. And so you had that situation like um, they could have gone about it differently. Yeah, I think they might have gotten some volunteers to help them. And, yeah, 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 exactly. Right. But it was you know, like Mom said; it wasn't really like they were out there looking to save everybody. Yeah, I think another theme in this. Is about friendship and um, what it means to be a friend and following somebody because they are your friend. Yeah. And uh, just the responsibility you have as a friend to other people. Yeah, loyalty is a big a big theme in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then I don't know if you noticed right at the end. I'm sure you did, but the bad guy. When they figure out that Thomas is the key, the bad guy kind of takes over everything, and he's going to treat Thomas badly, even though he's volunteering to be there. And it's not just that they're going to save the world now, but but once they have the cure, he's going to be in charge of deciding who lives and who dies. Yeah, and that of course shifts things way up. That's that's a different level of ethical discussion. Yeah. But really that's if if you've given yourself the right to determine good and evil, which is a right that only God has, it's a pretty short step from there to deciding that you get to say who lives and dies like God does, you yeah. know. So there's that underlying current through the whole series about powerful people deciding to play God. For the ultimate good, of course. And, you know. <laughs> of course. <laughs> right. So. Does it, I guess that reminds me a little bit of the whole, like, uh, Frankenstein story. And how Dr. Frankenstein was going to mess around and through technology he was going to play God and become the master over life and death. And mm-hmm. wound up being that his creation ends up killing him and that's kind of that's kind of in here you know that whole idea that this uh this group that's going to arrogate to itself the privileges of godhood winds up at a few times being foisted on their own petard (laughs) (laughs) their own petard (laughs) yeah (laughs) All Look right. it up, Dylan. <laughs> oh, you're something, I tell you. So, all right. Any other kind of ethical or moral things to talk about in here? Well, just since we're talking, okay. I'm wondering what in the world happened to Newt. <laughs> How did he get infected? Did we see him get bit? I. Um. I think, well, I mean, they talked about how it was airborne, you know? Yeah. 
So you think that's what happened? I wondered if it happened in the tunnel, and I was trying to think, like, what, 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 yeah, what was yeah, going it on? it might have happened in the tunnel. I think that's what I had assumed. But I guess, technically speaking, if the disease was airborne, if you could just catch it, you know. Yeah, and he obviously didn't have the, the genetic marker that everybody else did, so. I thought he had a bite on his arm. He didn't. That's where it showed up was on his arm, but I don't think he had a bite on his arm. That's like the guy, the bad guy inside that also had the disease. Oh, yeah. And he hadn't, surely, he hadn't been contaminated right. by anybody. Right. So. I think it was just getting to the point where it was just spreading, you know? Yeah, yeah maybe so. But My question for you is, where do you think that Thomas is going to go after this? Like, what do you think his plan is? I thought at the very end he was going to toss his a little cure into the ocean. <laughs> oh, really? really? See, I was I was going to ask you that. I thought you were the expert on this franchise, and I was I was going to ask you. She's to, the expert on Dylan O'Brien. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you to explain the last scene there. The last scene has Thomas with a vial of the cure. Isn't yeah. that the cure? Yeah. He's got a vial of the cure and. And he's looking out at a ship that apparently has the ability, if he wants to, the ship could take him back or could take him wherever he wants to go. Yeah. So he doesn't say anything, but he's holding the vial and he's looking out at the ship and you can tell the wheels are turning in his brain. Mm -hmm. uh, my theory well, is that right. he's, uh, he's going to go try to save the world. He's gonna yeah, I think that's try probably to find right. a way to maybe send the cure airborne or something like that. Well, and then the thing of it is too that all these people that could do all this stuff are no longer there. So who's going to manufacture this? How are they going right. to get it done? Yeah, those are questions just logistical. But I think I think that's the the direction that you you wind up thinking that he's going to go and go back and do something. And I think. You get that because of the letter from Newt and him talking about, you know, you always do what's right and you do what you do the thing that you think's best and people will follow you. Yeah. Well, that's what I figured. He's got a new mission on his mind. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know no, if it can happen. Right, right. But I think that's how it leaves you hopeful. <laughs> I think at the end of the movie when everyone there, and they knew that Thomas had the cure. Like, Thomas could save people. Uh, did, it, did they know that? Because he had just woken up from being, you know, operated on and had a bullet removed, and they are just like, hey, look, Thomas is up. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, he and Teresa knew that, and that was it. And maybe they heard the loudspeaker announcement, but was that genuine? Was it real? Was it a ploy to get him to come back? You know? The fact that Thomas and Brenda knew. Well, Brenda knew that she was doing all right. But I don't know, you know, because uh, Teresa did the loudspeaker announcement. You are the cure. Come back. You have to trust me. Mm. I think that, I don't know, the fact that Thomas knew that it obviously worked, at least on Brenda. Yeah. And, um that there was a chance that he really did have the cure, and then that they were just on this island, kind of like, 
kind of push themselves away. Almost like how Wicked did, you know. It was like, well, let's just get away ourselves. Yeah. Not saying I think that's a bad thing, but I think also at the same time, watching that scene kind of made me like, hmm, I don't know if that's right, you know. Like, shouldn't he try and try and see? Like, it, it, I mean, it's up to him, but like, yeah, but he bothered him to be like, well, I may be able to help a ton of people, but I just don't really want to. No, I think he probably will, but you've got to remember, it was utter chaos when they breached the wall, and it's it's like that everywhere now. There's nowhere, there's nowhere left. So that's a, a daunting task. <laughs> right? Where's he gonna go? Yeah. You know, where do you manufacture this? Who is gonna manufacture it? What facilities are there even going to be to manufacture it? Yeah, but I think, like, what was set wrong with me was at the beginning of that. You couldn't really tell for sure where he was going to go, and, like, you didn't really know if he was just going to stay on the island. But at the end, I mean, it seemed like he was, you know, like, Dad had said, wheels were turning, and yeah. he was kind of like, how can I, what can I do? Yeah. He's good, but... um well, I think that's probably right, because then you look at the little monument they had, and all the names were up there, and and I think that was like another motivating thing that all these people aren't here now because of everything that's happened with this, and now there's an answer, and there's something that can be done. Yeah. I still think Teresa was bad, though. Oh, yeah. She was problematic. <laughs> yeah. Not ideal. Not ideal. But I do think that Brenda likes Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe there's hope for Thomas. <laughs> I feel like there's a little bit of a a meme in a lot of current stories where bad guys get these young kids and experiment on them and they separate them from their parents and they're, you know, they've kidnapped them and they're doing these experimentation things on them. You've got it in like, uh, the Logan movie. They were doing that. Oh yeah. And they've always been doing that with the mutants, but then it was also in stranger things. And now we have it here and, and, uh, I don't know. It's and I guess also in the uh, uh, what's the one, the uh, Hunger Games. Mm, yeah. Kind of almost have the same thing where the kids are being treated badly by the by the powerful elites and stuff. And got to tell you, I'm kind of all in favor of those stories. <laughs> the more <laughs> the more we can uh, the more we can get people to uh, see how potentially abusive and destructive centralized power is, I think that bodes well for us. Except that the same people going to watch these movies then leave and, and want the government to take everybody's guns away and stuff. And I'm like, did you not just see this movie? Yeah. We need these guns. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, our time is just about up, so we should probably wind this down. Thank you all for joining us in our little family's discussion of uh, the death cure. Uh, sorry, Dylan didn't call back. Dylan, anytime, man. You got my number. <laughs> 
And so we're urging y'all to go out there and tell creative stories and and uh, honor God with those things. And think things through. Think things through. <laughs> Plot holes matter. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you. Thanks, Regan. Thank you for listening to the Worldview Media Podcast. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com to check out the other podcasts in our network and to download our free audiobooks.